And good afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with the late Patty Fink, who texted me that she was going to be late and then was here in plenty of time. Amazing. Uh-huh. Shocking, I know. Yeah. Welcome back. Well, thank you. Because Laurent was here for the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I'm so... What, Everybody has their COVID thing that they're tired of, and one of them I'm tired of is not having both of you and our guest in the studio. <laughs> Tom, you should, a be, while. you should be here in the studio, even though you're in Chicago. Our guest is Tom Elliott. He is the chairman of the board of Campus Pride, which is a national organization that he's about to tell us about. Um, is from Dallas, went to SMU, and that's part of his journey to the board of Campus Pride. Welcome, Tom. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you, uh, David. Nice to meet you, Patty. Um, even though it's on the radio and, um, and likewise, we're not, you know, we're not, uh, you know, in the same state even. So <laughs> nice to meet you. Thanks it, it, for having me on the show. Oh, I'm glad to have you on. Um, tell us what Campus Pride is first. Sure. Yeah. Campus Pride is a uh, national nonprofit organization. Uh, we were founded in 2001, so we're celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. Um, but our mission is uh, to build future leaders and create safer campus communities for LGBTQ people. And we do this through a range of programming, um, including uh, a Camp Pride Leadership Academy. It's a five-day academy that um, I actually went to and graduated from. I'm the first board chair who... Uh, is a graduate of the Camp Pride Leadership Academy. Um, we also have a Camp Campus Pride Index, which is a ranking of uh, colleges and universities based on how friendly they are to LGBTQ people. Yeah, we're going to uh, talk about their- Patty's school in just a minute. Yes, I'm sure we <laughs> will. <Okay. laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, we we really um, try to help high school. Um, students find colleges and universities that are that are friendly to them and then we also provide resources for existing college students uh, to make their campuses safer and more inclusive um, let's just talk about the um, the ranking system because it's different than the Princeton guide right mm-hmm that's right how do you do your rankings it's based on uh, a, a number of different factors, uh, including like the, the first kind of step is really seeing whether a college or university has a non-discrimination clause in their, um, you know, in hiring and, and uh, you know, so that so that they're, that's the first step is like saying that they're not going to discriminate based on sexual orientation or gender identity. Then there's other metrics. Uh, that we kind of work in based on, you know, is there an existing um, LGBTQ organization on campus that's recognized by the university? Um, do Are there faculty and staff members that have uh, been trained on how to uh, talk to LGBTQ people or kind of direct uh, a young person who might be having an issue into the right direction and, and the appropriate uh, response to that? Um, so, so there's a number of factors, and you know, we um, every year release um, uh, a best of the best list. It's a it's a list of of the top 40 schools uh, based on our ranking of of how friendly they are, 
And then we do uh, a worst list every year, too, of, of organizations or schools that, you know, we, we would not recommend. And I looked it up. After we talked uh, earlier this morning, Tom, I looked it up. Patty's school is not on the worst of the worst list. Why? It, it's not on any list. Patty went to Baylor. Yeah, Sikkim ah, okay. Bears. <laughs> and uh, which is famous for having sued the LGBT Alumni Association for raising money for it. Did I get that right, Patty? Well, no, they just sent us a cease and desist letter from using Baylor University in any of our anything. <laughs> mm. Wow. And, Not associated with you. And, you know? and what they created was a, an alumni group to raise money for the school. But gay money is just not welcome at Baylor. <laughs> okay, I have a couple of questions. Yeah. Um, SMU gets four stars. And they were ranked one of the bottom 20 uh, most homophobic schools by the Princeton Review not that many years ago. Obviously, you rate schools differently. Or it's changed. Or SMU mm -hmm. has changed dramatically. Yeah, which, since you're an alum there, which do you think it actually is? That they've changed dramatically or you just rate the schools differently? Because they never really quite fit into that um, bottom 20 category. They already had non-discrimination policies in place, whereas the other 19 schools didn't. They already had um, uh, workplace protections and things like that, that uh, even insurance for, uh, for same-sex partners. Um, so they never really quite fit, but it was, uh, the Princeton Guide, uh, is students rating their own school and it's their perceptions and the perception was bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there has been, uh, there's certainly been a lot of progress, uh, over, you know, since, since I was a student there, um, when, you know, 2005 to 2010, um, you know, and, and you're, you're absolutely right. The Benson Review is really a, a ranking of, uh, you know, or uh, an assessment of, of existing students' beliefs of their own university. And, and when I was a student there, you know, I, after I came out, I didn't really, um, you know, I was, I was very nervous to come out to my friends uh, and, and to faculty, but um, I never really experienced any kind of direct, you know, discrimination or, or bias or hate speech or anything like that. So, so I was surprised to see that Campus Pride was, uh, or sorry, that SMU was, was on that list by, uh, by Princeton Review. And, and when I started to look into it, one of the reasons, one of the metrics that they, that they used in, in determining that ranking was whether there was LGBTQ representation in the student government body. Uh, and so that's what um, kind of prompted me to, to to organize this campaign on campus. Okay, let's get back uh, to that. In, let's get back to that in a second, because okay. I want to I want to go through the metrics that uh, that you're using a little bit. Um, two schools are rated five star in Texas. Only two. Do you have a guess, uh, Patty? As to UT would be one of them. Nope. No. UT Dallas is one of them. Oh, I believe that, totally. And then Texas Tech, because Lubbock is such a safe place for LGBT people. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, 
Um, that is an interesting, uh, I, I, I'm surprised to hear that actually about Texas Tech. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Okay, as long as you're laughing, me too. Um, my school, I went to State University of New York at Albany, got only three and a half stars out of five. I was surprised about that. Yeah, it looks like you're going to have to go back to college, David, and fix that. Yeah, I'm going to find out what's going on with that uh, and what brought the points down. Um, But I do have one question about the school my mother worked at. Back in the 70s, she worked at Sarah Lawrence College. Now, Sarah Lawrence is a big lesbian school. is it possible it doesn't get on your list because it's not straight friendly? <laughs> uh, is it not on, on the index? It's not on the index. Ah. Well, we should talk to them. <laughs> you can get back to me on those. Okay, yeah. so, so when you were a student, you were working to get a, uh, an SMU Senate seat for LGBT students, like there was for black students, for Hispanic students, for a number of other groups. There was a women's seat. I'm trying to remember what some of the others were. But um, every time it came to the Senate, what happened? Uh, It it would go into discussion and the the outcome, at least when I was there, was that it, it wasn't worth taking it to uh, a, a full vote by the student body. Because what we were trying to do, it, it required an amendment to the, the, the student body constitution. And, and in order for that, to, that change to happen, it had to go to a vote. So what we were asking while I was there, what we were asking of the Senate is to put this to a vote. Um, to the student body, and and we kept getting faced with resistance because unlike the other designated student senate seats, there, I think there were five of them, uh, and they were they were each based on ethnic uh, identities, right? So an African American, Latino, Asian American, um, and so so their argument at the time was, well, an LGBT person can get elected to the student senate independent of there being, um, you know, a designated seat, which is also true, of course, for African-American Latino students. So that argument didn't, didn't really carry water for me. Um, and, and we were trying to say, like, it, it's not that much of a stretch to just create a designated seat so that we're always, so, so the student government has a designated voice that, that is representing the LGBTQ students on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they just, for whatever reason, couldn't get, get past whether, you know, who, because another trick, tricky part of this is who was going to vote for those, those senators, right? So the African-American seat were, were only voted by African-American students. And so one of the other challenges was you know, how, okay, how do we determine who's eligible to vote for this seat? Because, you know, colleges and universities don't typically ask about sexual orientation or gender identity uh, in enrollment, you know, in an admission paperwork. Uh, so, you know, there, was, there were other issues with, like, the, um, with, with figuring out who was going to vote for that seat, and, and it just never, 
um, you know, while I was there, never went to a vote, but I think it was like 10 years after I graduated, uh, they did actually manage to, to take this to a vote or to, to the full student body and it failed twice. Um, wow. Which, which is, which is really, uh, you know, that, that was really surprising to me because I was, even when I was a student, almost certain you know, I, I believe that if it got to a vote by the student body, it would have passed. And so, you know, when, now, now I know better. <laughs> well, and you'd think, you know, we, you could, you know, figure out who the who the queer ones were, you know, because you can just tell just by looking. Well, you hire somebody with good gaydar, <laughs> and you say, you get to vote, you get to vote, you don't get to vote. <laughs> wow. I, I would think that if you put it to the student body, that would pass as well. Yeah, and, and that's that's got to be... It did. I'm feeling crushed right now thinking about it. And that was years ago. Mm-hmm. It, it was a number of years ago. Because after you graduated, Tom, I continued going to those Senate meetings where they turned uh, the students down, uh, the, the ones who were petitioning for an LGBT seat. And then it finally did go to a vote, and it was voted down. That's just and it was twice, right? Like they had I to think do so. a re-vote because there was like it was almost like they didn't believe it the first time. They had to check again, you know, and and it and it failed even worse uh, on the second vote. Well, we know what that was: voter fraud. <laughs> right. <laughs> we really won, and with a, in a landslide, yeah. <laughs> with two million fewer votes, even, but we won. Um, so while you were doing this activism on campus, you went to Camp Pride, which Campus Pride runs. Tell us what Camp Pride did for you. Uh, th- that's right. So after I had come out, uh, I, I, one of the first people I came out to was, was one of the, um, the faculty advisors on campus, the head of the Women's Center, which is where the LGBTQ organization is housed on campus. And, and she recommended that I uh, look at Campus Pride, which I did, and uh, applied for their, their annual leadership academy. Uh, it got, got funding from the university to, to allow me to go. And it was really uh, a transformational experience for me being uh, a white person, grew up uh, in a rural part of Texas to, you know, conservative, religious parents, uh, I wasn't exposed to uh, a lot of different people uh, in, in different backgrounds. And so this, this experience, going to Camp Pride, uh, it, was, it was housed at uh, Towson University in, in, uh, outside of Baltimore, and um, about... 75 people from across the country uh, come together for this week to learn not only about the community, um, you know, what different kinds of sexual identities and gender identities there are that exist, and being and creating a, a, an environment where we could talk to one another and I could ask questions of a trans person or a non-binary person that I didn't feel comfortable asking uh, outside of that setting. Um, and, and it also was, was one of the first times that I uh, learned about privilege. Uh, there's this really powerful exercise that they do every year called the Privilege Walk, and essentially everyone's standing in a line, shoulder to shoulder, uh, and the facilitator at the front of the room 
starts to read a bunch of prompts like, you know, if you were, take two steps forward, if you were raised in uh, a household with two parents, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, then take, take a step back if you were raised uh, in a household with only one parent or with a grandparent even, you know? And by the end of the, the exercise, you can turn around, for me anyway, recognizing my privilege, I could turn around and see how other people fared based on these different criteria that, that they had no choice in, right? Like you don't, you're not, you don't get to choose uh, the family that you're born into, right? So, so it was a, a really, it was an eye-opening experience for me, and and it and it kind of altered my my political worldview greatly. And and ever since then, I mean, I, after that that leadership camp, I, I came back to campus and that's when I started working to get the student senate seat passed. Um, so you can see like it, it was a it was kind of a, a launch pad for me and, and this is exactly what it's designed to do, bring people together from all over the country to meet each other, learn, uh, and equip these young people with the resources that they can take back to their campus and start uh, advocating for change on campus. We're talking to Tom Elliott. He is the board chair of the national group Campus Pride. We need to take a break. Tom, stick with us. Uh, You're listening to Lambda Weekly here on 89.3 KNON-FM. I'm Dave Taffet here with uh, the late Patty Fink, and we'll be back with more right after this. And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here with Patty Fink. Our guest is Tom Elliott. He's the board chair of Campus Pride. Earlier in the show, we were talking about um, schools' ratings, and here's another one that I was surprised at. UNT only got two and a half stars. Really? Two and a half? Yeah. And Tom, I don't know if you know this about UNT, but a number of years ago, probably seven, eight years ago, uh, they started collecting an LGBT archive, and the gay community here in Dallas uh, put together a group to collect items. Um, and it's their, the LGBT archives, and they have other archives as well, are the most accessed archives. They now have a minor in LGBT studies, just like Texas Tech. Yeah, in fact, the Dallas Voice is archived there. The, uh, the Dallas Voice is the number one accessed uh, newspaper, and they've collected small town newspapers from around the state and other types of periodicals. Uh, and. Um, it's the most accessed. So I was surprised about UNT because everything I've seen about UNT, they do a good job. Yeah. Yeah, it is surprising. Uh, and if you go to the, the Campus Pride, it's campusprideindex.org, you can look at uh, different campuses. And, and below each campus where the rating is, you can see uh, the metrics that we use to, to kind of evaluate. It's called the LGBTQ friendly report card. Um, you know, and, and it has different checkboxes. Um, and one of the, one of the areas where they, where UNT could, could do a little better is uh, providing LGBTQ housing uh, and, and residence life. Mm. Um, they, they have single occupancy, Restroom facilities, which is good, um, but they don't have um, roommate matching for LGBTQ students, um, gender inclusive housing for new new students. So, um, yeah, and, and this is why we we kind of put it all out there, um, so campuses can see, you know, what what they need to do to improve 
their their ranking on our index. And I want to give you uh, here here's my experience with my school, which is it really does surprise me that it only got three and a half stars. Um, first of all, when I came out on campus, my experience was from the administration. Oh, good. One of the RAs came out. We have somebody to send somebody, uh, somebody who needs to talk to someone to. That was the only reaction I got on campus. This is the 1970s. We had a gay alliance that formed in 1969. Now, we were right up the street from Woodstock. <laughs> but uh, there were only two or three other schools at the time that had gay alliances. Uh, Columbia and Berkeley, and maybe a few other random schools around, but we did. Um, we also, one of our professors who was gay, uh, bought a brownstone in downtown Albany and we converted it into the first LGBT community center in the country. It's still there. Wow. wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's... And that was the year of Stonewall, the Stonewall Rebellion. Yeah. Right. Man, you're old. Yeah, I am. <laughs> but good gay history. Yes, yes. Good gay history. Um, by contrast, at Baylor, we had, um, um, there's even now in the um, em employee handbook that you cannot be married to a same-sex partner um, for employees. Wow. Um, Doesn't that go against uh, the ordinance in Waco? They have a non-discrimination ordinance. One, one would think, but um, it's an interesting place. Let's just put it that way. It is the opposite of everything you think might be. Um, I mean, this is this is how um, how bad it is. They had one of the best, um, brightest um, basketball stars in the country, um, Brittany Griner, and. You know, oh, yeah. earned them millions and tens of millions of dollars in because um, people would come to all the games. They wanted to see her play. They won national championships. The second she graduated and wrote a book and came out in her book, they dropped her. I get all the, the communications from Baylor to alums, and they never mentioned her again. Mm -hmm. not, not a thing. And well, they just dropped her like a hot potato. They told you when you started the uh, Baylor LGBT Alumni Association that they didn't want your money. Yeah, and we didn't really form to, to raise money for them. Well, but we that's one to, thing that an, an alumni association does. Sure. Or an alumni group. Because we have one, too. And, I mean, we do other things. We have other meetings. But it's to raise money. So... They're really telling you we don't want you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's why when they call for money, I keep them on the phone as long as possible, eat up their time, and then say, you know, I would probably give you a lot of money if you would, um, you know, make changes for LGBT students there. Um, and then they're like, they want to, they want to close it down. They want to close down the conversation. <laughs> and, and see, the difference is, <laughs> I got a call from somebody from the university. I guess we have our. Uh, person in charge of Gator uh, called me and asked me specifically to join the LGBT uh, alumni group. Wow. Ours is quite large. <laughs> yeah, ours is too. There are lots of cool Patty, people at Baylor. Patty, did you see recently that uh, Baylor, um, the university, acknowledged the charter of a, of a new LGBTQ group on campus? Yeah. Yeah, I've been following that. That's been um, 
that's been interesting. It's been an interesting journey for sure. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to continue to watch that. That's, what type of group is it? Just a general LGBT group? It, it, as far as I know, it's just a general, um, general group on campus. Huh. Yeah. Good. Gamma Alpha Upsilon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I saw on your website, Tom, is that you, uh, you assist students on campus with fundraising and give many grants for activism. Yeah, this is actually a program that we uh, are launching this year, um, and and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's, it's six hundred dollar grant that uh, we award to students who um, could use the money to to help organize, uh, you know, a club on their campus, or you know, if there's some kind of uh, you know like training that they want to bring to their campus, this could help pay for that. Uh, so, so it's a new thing that we're launching this year as a part of our 20th anniversary. And, and it's because we've, you know, there, there's still a lot of work that's happening on college campuses. And we're talking about Baylor. Um, you know, there's been some news lately about, uh, Catholic University and their, um, their organization, uh, called CU Allies is trying to get, uh, chartered. Uh, they've been trying for years and years, but, uh, the administration won't recognize it. Uh, and, and then even uh, last week with Brigham Young at university, you know, a bunch of LGBTQ students even just, just changed the Y to a rainbow flag. Um, and, you know, you know, and it was a huge deal. Um, and, and they, you know, were worried about getting, uh, facing disciplinary action by the university for, you know, quote unquote vandalism. but. You know, there's there's still a lot of work that's, that's happening. It's, it's, I think, primarily on religious campuses uh, where the work is uh, right now. But yeah, we're we're trying to, you know, that's our whole mission is to is to empower people and and give people the resources they need to to advocate and and force change. Mm -hmm. That's great, like seed money, to mm -hmm. to get something going. You know, exactly. Students who don't have extra money it might just be enough that they can take an Uber somewhere to get to a meeting, um, you know, like a, a city council meeting or something, if some of the what's going on has to do with a city ordinance, or um, just to buy supplies to get word out there that you're meeting. Yeah, There's so many things that could cover. I think that's great. Um, it's a way for students to be able to organize without having to worry about not having the money to do it. You know, oh, what's right. this going to cost us? Uh, we can't afford to do that. Um, one of the things that I also saw on your website, you have a national LGBT scholarship database. We do, yeah. So there are, uh, there are a number of LGBT scholarships? There are. This, uh, this program is, is a part of uh, a collaboration with um, the, the oh, what's the name of the, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the, the organization that, that we partner with, uh, oh, Point Foundation, oh, uh -huh. which is a, a national, um, you know, nonprofit that, that helps 
people identify scholarship opportunities. Mm -hmm. And so this is, you know, a resource for for people who are looking, um, yeah, looking for assistance going to school. Because we do actually have a couple of scholarships, LGBT scholarships here. One of them is run by the LGBT chamber. Um, and I'm thinking there's another one, and I can't think of what it is. But um, it's every year, and they award four or five scholarships, um, which are always helpful. Um, again, something that we didn't have when Patty was back in school. They right. probably would have thrown you out had you gotten an LGBT scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that you had said to me earlier, Tom, was that uh, you own your own business. It's a marketing and communications business. And the bigotry that you faced just asking for an LGBT seat in the Senate has really helped you uh, be a business owner. Yeah, it's... It, 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 um was very much the the kind of start of my career after you know my, my degree was in political science and philosophy um, and so that that campus campaign was really my first campaign and, and I learned a lot uh, mainly how important it is if you're trying to get uh, legislation passed that you actually <laughs> and, and this sounds really kind of obvious uh, but but like you really do need to count votes because I thought I thought for sure it was going to pass. You know, um, I didn't think it was, a, it was it was sort of a no-brainer for me. Um, but I, I I learned that no, you actually do have to like talk to people and ask them, are you going to vote for this? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is how you know, <laughs> and and have a conversation with them based on what their answer is. Um, and that was something that was really important that I learned. Um, not, basically, not to take anything for granted. Because you were I, assuming, um, you were assuming at first that this issue that was very important to you was important to straight students, and not that they were against you necessarily, but it just wasn't their issue. It wasn't something that they talked about much. Mm -hmm. Right, and that, and and you know, I would. I would hear from people and, you know, other student senators that they were on, on our side, uh, to my face. And then, you know, they, they wouldn't vote for our, our issue. Right. And, and so that, that's why you have to have these, these constant conversations. And I didn't think it would be such a heavy lift because why would we as, as students of the same university want our university on this awful list? saying that we're, you know, homophobic. Like, none of us want to be homophobic, so let's make sure that we, you know, are off that list. That, that was my motivation, and that was uh, my argument for why we needed to pass it. Um, not only, you know, obviously to also have representation, but there was also a public kind of image issue that I was trying to capitalize on. Mm. Um, but it really was like, you know, after I graduated from college, I continued to work on political campaigns in Texas. And then when I moved to Illinois, I worked on campaigns here. And, um, you know, it, it, it really, it, it, once, once you kind of do it, you, you realize that it's the same everywhere. You just, you just constantly are, are working to improve uh, the process. Um, and, and so, 
so now with with my business, it, it's part political communications and and uh, and part you know marketing for nonprofits and small businesses and mm-hmm. and arts and entertainment clients. Yeah, when you're trying to be an influencer, especially something specific, there's a methodology. <laughs> there are lots of methodologies around it, but boy, getting that um, getting that word out and how you get the word out and will they hear it and will they take action and that's um, that, that's exciting work. I'm I'm excited for you to have that kind of um, business and that kind of work to do every day. That's my that's my bailiwick. <laughs> Love it. And one of the things Campus Pride does is you do trainings. In in addition to Camp Pride that you went to, you have safe space training for personnel on campuses to make, to create safe spaces for LGBT students. Uh, Tell me about that. Yeah, this is uh, one of our hallmark programs. Uh, and, and it really is, like you said, uh, making sure that we're equipping personnel, faculty and staff on campuses um, with, you know, how, with, with basic information about the LGBTQ community so that they are informed. Uh, they have some kind of baseline knowledge whenever a student approaches them to talk about a problem or, or an issue that they're having. Um, but, but really it's about, you know, it's that safe space, but it's also, it's about creating a community. And what we've, what we've learned, especially for campuses that, that may not have a designated organization, um, that, that's like easy to find and, and, and whatnot and, and acknowledged by the university, um, you know, 70% of first year students, um, and LGBTQ students drop out or at least think about dropping out of school because they're worried about being bullied um, or harassed because of their gender identity or their sexual orientation. And so what this safe space program does is it, is it creates this community. It, it, it lets students know that they have allies uh, and, and faculty members that are, that are allies. Um, you know, one of the first people I ever came out to was my, um, was, was one of my professors on campus. Um, because I read a book called Fun Home, uh, written by Alison Bechtel, and that book was like, this, a light bulb went off when I read it, and I was like, I identify with this, and I remember I asked my professor, I walked in, and I said, I think I'm gay, what do you think? <laughs> and he goes, well, um, thank you for sharing that with me, but I can't really tell you that. That's something that you have to figure out for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's like it's, it's being able to see that symbol, the safe space symbol, which is a, a triangle, an inverted triangle, uh, or as a rainbow flag, right? And, and to be able to see that symbol on a professor's door or window, knowing that like you can go to that person uh, for help if you need it. Do you know, when I was in high school, we had a teacher Guess what he taught? He was the drama teacher. Uh, wore makeup. Everybody thought he was as odd as could be. But you know what he did? He looked out for all the LGBT students. Um, he couldn't do it openly. He didn't discuss being gay at all. Everybody knew he was. But he was there looking out for all of us. And thank God for Mr. Kilcullen. I was never bullied in school. 
I always felt safe. And looking back at my high school experience, I credit him. And I didn't have him even as a teacher until my senior year. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's something that schools have had for a while, but now it's uh, a little bit more formal. We need to take a break. We'll talk a little bit more about safe space training in just a minute. Uh, you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with the late Patty Fink, and we will be back with more in just a moment. And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet, and I'm here with Patty Fink. Uh, our guest is Tom Elliott. He's the board chair of the National Group Campus Pride. We were talking a little bit about safe space training. And, um, you know, one thing that makes you feel safe is if you have a person who's visible, who looks like you, or who is one of you. Um, and just thinking back on it, the dean of our College of Arts and Sciences was gay back in the early 70s. Everybody knew. I mean, he was as out as could be. Um, that makes a difference on the campus. I think, and, and you know, students know, you know, I, we don't give enough credit to students. They know who they can turn to. Oh, they, Jack he, was flamboyant. There was no knowing. <laughs> <laughs> well, even if it's safe space on the download, that's better than having no safe space. <laughs> Um, okay, so you're doing safe space training. Obviously, now it's online. Uh, uh, you you will go back probably to some in-person training uh, after COVID. We're all trying to figure out how to adjust and what changes we're going to make uh, or what we're going to keep from our COVID experience and our Zooming experiences. Uh, there's been good, but God, do I hate Zoom meetings. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what are some of the things that they teach in safe space training? Like, I, I, I'm not against anybody. How do I make my space safe for them, though? Well, I, I think, um, you know, it, it, it's, first of all, like just that baseline understanding of what the LGBTQ community means and how to talk about sexual identities and gender identities and how to, you know, it, it takes practice even to use um, uh, non-binary language like they and them. It takes, it takes a while to, to adjust to that. Um, or, you know, if, if you met a student in their first year uh, and their identity was, was, was one thing, let's say male, and then two years later, you know, you're you're talking to them again, and their identity is female. It it takes some time to to practice changing how you use those pronouns, for example. And so we're all we're doing with the safe space is really just kind of level setting with everyone. Like if you're going to be an ally to LGBTQ students, then here let us show you how you can be an ally. That's essentially what what this safe space training does. Another one of the trainings that we do is um, called Stop the Hate Training. And this is really providing campuses uh, and, and campus personnel the, the resources to fight uh, bias incidents and hate crime incidences. Uh, and and as, as you are well aware, over the past four years, uh, the LGBTQ community has been targeted um, 
from from the very top. <laughs> oh, we hadn't noticed. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think I saw the. I think it was the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force did a study, and there were over 180 instances of uh, anti-LGBTQ hate speech um, by the president or someone in his administration over the past four years. Um, and that, that has a real damaging effect on, on communities. How many? Um, over 180. Wow. And this was Just like coming this from was actual documented, like in text or, you know, in, in a recorded speech. Well, look at What's the rise in hate crimes against Asians for no mm -hmm. reason other than the coronavirus seems to have started in China. Well, I think that's separate. I think it's because someone egged people on. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, regardless of where it was from, it was egging the egging on that caused the... And that, that's what I'm saying, that um, for no reason at all, um, Asians went from being a very low-targeted group, not that they weren't ever targeted before, but a low-targeted group to terrible numbers. Um, it's horrible, horrible crimes every day in the paper about um, Asians being beaten being up and attacked, even elderly people. Mm -hmm. It's just, um, it, it strikes me, you know, all of these these groups that are that are non non-white, non-Christianist, non-you um, um, know, that that whole ilk. If you're not one of those, if you're not straight, white, Christianist, and even male sometimes, boy, we've got all kinds of um, hate crimes um, and challenges to overcome just from basic bigotry. Basic so, bigotry. So you have a Stop the Hate program. Somebody who's going to attend to stop the hate program already, well, I guess what you're teaching is how to stop it, not that it's wrong. <laughs> it's sad that we're even thinking that some people need to be taught that just hate against general groups is wrong, but we do. Mm -hmm. um, so your right. stop the hate program, what, is, what are you teaching? It's, it's providing social justice tools to combat bias and hate crimes uh, in, in every form. And this is a partnership with the Anti-Defamation League, um, you know, uh, Southern Poverty Law Center, the Matthew Shepard Foundation. Um, you know, so, so these are like, you know, it, it's really trying to kind of break apart what bias is and what a hate crime is and how to prevent it from happening on campuses in the first place. Hmm. It's said, you think of a campus as being um, a place that's open, where you meet all kinds of people, possibly for the first time in your life. I always, when I was in college, I found that exciting. I found it fun. I found it interesting. And it, there are so many people who just don't. Mm -hmm. So, are you finding finding Tom that that let's say you're in a in a at a university where there is a, there's a welcoming, accepting, embracing presence for LGBTQ um, students and faculty um, and employees? Um, are are there efforts then to 
to say, let's get ourselves in the local pride parade and, and, and be represented in that fuller community, that community at large. Um, or where students from, from a university like that go to a lesser, um, lesser accepted university and work with them. Um, I, I, I can see all kinds of, you have a huge resource there with, with universities that are doing the right thing to, to take that next step. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and that's one of the, the great things about Campus Pride is, is, is you know, with, with that leadership campus is, is a great example of how we're bringing people literally from all parts of the country together um, to, to share those resources. And, and what I mean by that is like that knowledge um, of, you know, there's certainly uh, students who, who come to camp and, and their campus is already, um, you know, on the index and, and ranked pretty high. Um, but, but, you know, being able to share their experiences, um, even just to, to show someone the idea of like this, this kind of utopian idea of what a, like a queer to campus looks like, right? Uh-huh. Um, where there's all kinds of intersectional identities and, uh, no one, no one blinks an eye if, if, you know, you have, if you, if you present mail and you have, uh, you know, painted fingernails, you know, it's, it, it's just, it's, it's sort of, um, I keep thinking about this because uh, Campus Pride is partnering right now with this, this HBO Max show called Generation. I highly recommend it. It's it's uh, it, it's basically high school students and, and queer and their queer identity uh, and and the drama that unfolds with it. And it's it is it, 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 it when you're when I'm watching this show, it's like queer identities have become so normalized and it's so refreshing that like they're dealing with this drama, but it's the drama is not about their identity. <laughs> it's, it's about like, just them being teenagers, you know, and, and, uh, and having drama. <laughs> it's great. So, so, you know, we pride ourselves at Campus Pride of, of being a network uh, of college campuses um, and, and of, and of, queer professionals who are working on college campuses so that we can share those resources where, where it's needed. Tom, I want to thank you. The hour flew, and uh, it was really nice talking to you again. Um, come back and visit us again sometime. So come back and, and, and share more information about um, your organization. This is, this is great stuff. Yeah. Um, we are ending our shows here at KNON about 10 minutes before the hour so that we can wipe the counters, change the windscreens, keep everything safe for each other. Uh, we're going to continue to do that at least through, I would assume, the summer. Probably. I think we'll probably do that through the summer because so many people use this small studio. Uh, Tom, thank you again for being with us today and uh, for everybody else out there listening. Be best. Thank you.